get ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. My name is Fergus, I'm your host. Um, I don't have much of a voice left after yesterday. Uh, I'm joined by Dale, uh, Peter Berguner, uh, also joined by another voiceless man in Capo Dan and my sidekick Gunnar Hilsey, who's got a hangover because he drank too much beer yesterday. We're going to look back at the Bournemouth game, but we're also going to look back at the Everton game. Two huge, momentous games uh, in this season that Arsenal are having. Uh, our game in hand, which meant that we went back to five points clear. And then the game yesterday that we all thought could have been a banana skin. And wow, who slipped up? And it wasn't us. Adele, how are you, mate? Yeah, all good. All good. Uh, yesterday wasn't good for the old heart rate, was it? But uh, <laughs> why, what that was. <laughs> well, I, I got a reading of, um, of Trevor's um, uh, heart rate. He's got one of these fancy watches and he sent it through to me. And apparently, a normal heartbeat at the top, and the bottom heart heartbeat was uh, while um, the game was playing. That was Trevor's. <laughs> Trevor, how are you, mate? <laughs> uh, I'm all right, thanks, mate. I, I, do you know what? I'm going to have to stop having two pints at games. So I think I'm I'm going to cut it down to one and a half pints because the two pints I had yesterday has, has battered me today. Battered me today. Oh, but do you know what? I couldn't care less. Could not care less. What a day we had. What It was great being re- with you boys. And we'll talk about it all in a bit, I know. But Akin, you're not being a good boy today, lads. We will do. We will do. Uh, Charon, funnily enough, was in the Bank of Friendship with some of the other guys. We were only next door. We were in the Gunners pub yesterday. And we went to the Woodbine uh, and a couple of others. Uh, hello to everyone in the chat. Uh, Capo, um, how's the voice? Yeah, so I might be on a bit of voice rest, I think, before, um, before Thursday. But yeah, I felt physically better, but mentally never better. <laughs> and have the tears dried up have the tears dried up don't know what you're on about mate he's uh you know Fergus when he has a couple of drinks and makes stuff up never mind yeah 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 made things up to be honest I think it was those last two drinks at the Eaglet that I'm like Trevor I'm a little bit delicate today I shouldn't really be drinking as much as I did and uh yeah I just I just went a little bit mad Arnie was in the stadium yesterday Arnie uh when we get to the game we'll probably chat with you try to get you in comments and tell us what you thought about the game and stuff like that so I'm glad you got over shame we didn't get to meet you uh, around block five block six but um Trevor was so drunk we just had to keep an eye on him really more than anything else before we go into that though let's look at the um Everton game. It was the game in hand. Um, and our lineup against Everton was Ramsdale, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko, Shaka, Jorginho, uh, Odegaard, Saka, Martelli, and Trossard. So Eddie was was dropped again. I believe he's got an ankle injury, uh, but he was on the bench for that game. Um, and uh, Trossard started again. Um, Dan, what did you make of the Everton game? I don't want to spend loads of time on the Everton game because, to be honest, it's so a few days ago that it almost doesn't feel as current. That's good, because to be honest, I've pretty much forgotten about the Everton game now, so that's probably a good idea. Um, no, to be, to be fair, the Everton game, I, I heard a little bit of criticism from people saying we started slow and um, that we didn't have the best first half, but I didn't actually think that we were that bad. I felt it was more that Everton were up for the fight, and then as soon as we got ahead, they, they dropped off just because they haven't got the quality that we've got. Yeah, I had three Danish gunners in in hand in tow, and and uh, and yourself as well. Uh, they'd been in they'd been in the pub in in London most of the day, 
Uh, I was driving, so I wasn't drinking. So, yeah, it, it was quite eventful when we got there. Uh, but I, I, I did s- s- talk to you about that, and I did say that I thought that Everton did well to to, to manage us and police us um, and made that first 30, 35 minutes difficult. And then once we got that goal, I think we are much better. Trevor, uh, thoughts on on the opening period of, of um, the Everton game? Everton did give us a game, and we thought, Christ, could that happen again? Uh, what happened on the 4th of Feb? Take yourself off mute. Take yourself off mute. Why do you keep muting me every time? I don't touch it. <laughs> Much like what Dan said, though, you know, it's uh, it, it was, I didn't think we had that bad a first half. I just thought that Evan turned up and, and set their stall out to defend the goal with part of the bus, get 11 players behind the ball and see what they could do. Um, just it, it, the start reminded me a bit of the uh, of the game up at Everton because I don't know if you remember, boys, but for the first ten minutes of the game up at Everton, we looked promising, and we didn't score a goal early, and Everton got more and more confident, and ended up beating us with a goal at the end. But that didn't happen, did it? At our place with our fans behind the team, and uh, and and uh, and our lads that are playing on the home turf, it, it soon became apparent that once we got one, we were going to get a few, and it took a while, but. Once it came, that's exactly what happened. Then they 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 weren't in our league once we opened them up. And the more they tried to open the game up to get back into it, the more we made of the space. And in particular, I thought Odegaard as as the, as the space is open, that boy covered everyone. He was absolutely superb. Right, I've, I've I've got a video clip of Odegaard and, and that special special tackle. We'll talk about it in a little while as well. Dale, um, thank you very much for sorting out the Danish Gooners uh, with some. Uh, no, my cousin actually with some some tickets. Um, he was uh, delighted, although he was an Everton fan, so I wasn't as delighted as the rest of us. Um, but um, he really enjoyed bringing his son to experience the North Bank and seeing all the, the Block 5, Block 6 stuff. So he said thanks very much, and I thank you as well. What did you make of the game? I know you couldn't be because it was midweek. You know, first 35 minutes, as Trev and Dan said, we struggled. But then Saka came in and scored a goal in like 30, 35, I think it was 31 minutes, actually. Um, yeah, and what, what a goal it was. Yes. What a goal it was as well. It's... Uh... I mean, a lot gets said about him, but just when you think he can't get any better, he pulls out right out of the top draw. And I thought it was an incredible finish. Not just the angle he was at, but to, to pick that tiny area, the top of that goal he had to aim at as well. Unbelievable. What a finish. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, at the start of the game, I was comfortable. I didn't ever think we were going to lose that game. I expected a 3 or 4 nil, which we spoke about before. And it, and, it, and it just so happened. I just thought it was one of those games where the players had it in their heads where we could not lose that game. We got embarrassed at Everton. Uh, it could have and should have been more. And that was a, a must-win game for more than the title race um, being concerned. Dan, we, we, we talked in the stadium and, and while watching the game, you know, about 20 minutes in, I was going, we need a goal. 26 minutes in, I'm looking at the clock and going, we needed a goal six minutes ago. I went to like 30 minutes and you could hear the crowds just start. At the beginning of the game, great. Everybody, exact, exactly as Dale said, uh, everyone was up for it. The players were up for it. We wanted a revenge. We wanted to put right what, what, what went wrong at Goodison. But, you know, um, Saka on his in his wrong leg as well. You know, uh, how how good was it? And not his first either, to be honest. You know, the, the sign of a top striker or a top player is someone that can do it consistently. And we know the lad's got talent and he'll pull things out of the bag. But he started to do that now week in, week out. And that's, that's what, for me, is going to go on to make him a world-class player but yeah he's had a very very similar finish away at Leeds at the beginning of the season so he um not only can he finish on his left he can finish very very good on his right foot as well mm. 
Trevor, very rare uh, thing that you're seeing here. It's water on the podcast. You know, that's very, very rare. I can tell you how how heavy it was yesterday. <laughs> um, Trevor Martinelli um, uh, was at first a judge to be offside. Now, from the stadium and the quick still I saw behind me on the screen, I still thought, I'm glad I'd spoken to you and, and some other things, I still thought Martinelli, just before half time, had scored the second goal, but then it was going to be, it was going to be justifiably ruled offside, but it was ruled onside. Explain to me. I don't have any video footage. Yeah. Well, for me, it was instantly, almost instantly, I could see that Martinelli was behind the ball. And if he's behind the ball, he can't be offside, Fergus. And it just goes to show what a position we've been in with VAR recently. That uh, the first thing that came into my head was, please, VAR official, realise that he's behind the ball and put the line off the ball, not off a of Martinelli, you know. Unfortunately, he did, did his job, did it well, and, and the goal stood as it should have done. Martinelli, it was tight, but Martinelli couldn't be offside because he was behind the ball. And uh, it was great to see our two boys pick the defence like that, pick it off their toes and score. Just going back to Saka's finish, what, what Dale said, what brilliant finish from Saka. Brilliant finish. But you've got to remember that if Jordan Pickford had some arms, he might have saved it. But he ain't got any arms, has he? So he, uh, he was never going to save in a million years. Sausage hands, sausage hands. Uh, I can't stand him. Honestly, I don't know why he's England's number one. He's just, he's clearly not good enough. Second half then, Dan, uh, we came out and we came out again. Like we spoke at halftime and we said that how poor Everton were, first of all, but they were managing Arsenal. People were moaning that Arsenal weren't great, but I, like you, didn't think we weren't bad. We were just finding it difficult to find the spaces and break them down. There were a big back four and, and, and they just packed the box area. But in the second half, we came out with a bit more vigour and a bit, a bit more about us and we got two more goals. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... When, when you're two up, confidence goes throughout the, the squad and you can see the confidence growing in that team, you know, by when they get on the ball and, and the crowd cheering behind them, it makes a big, big difference. And also you can see the, the confidence drain out of a team like Everton that are struggling at the bottom. And I, th I think that goes to show, but our um, our quality shone through in that game and, and we had some, some very, very good phases of play as well. And that could have easily been more than four. Yeah, it could easily have been more than four. So we got Odegaard... Uh, um... Uh, for the three nil, I think it was, and Martinelli for the four nil. Um, before before we talk about the fourth goal, I'd like to talk about this. Um, Dale and Trev, you will have seen it on telly, and I want to see what your reaction was. And then I'm going to talk to me and Dan about seeing it like down the pitch in front of us. It's Odegaard with this dummy slide tackle on Iwobi. Dale. How good? How good is he? At first, when I see that, uh, I just thought on, on the uh, the legitimate stream that I may or may not have been watching as well, my ad. Um, oh, yeah, of course. You couldn't I, have watched it because it wasn't on television. No, 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 of course not. No, no, I was just an eye in the sky and all that. Yeah. But um, no, in relation to the check, when I, when I first see it, I went, what a tackle that is. And then when I see it again in the replay, I was like, actually, that's not a tackle. That's an incredible piece of skill. And I genuinely, if that was if that was a lot of people, I'd have gone, you know what? He's, he's not meant that. But he meant that. He knew exactly what he was doing. And we have got one hell of a Rolls-Royce on our hands there. People talk about Saka, Martinelli, and they, they know how good Odegaard is. But when you look at the, the criticism he's been getting recently, puzzles me. Absolutely puzzles me. But yeah, I, I can't speak highly enough of him. Really can't, Trevor. The, the, Trevor, the, the 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 skill and the 
and yeah. and uh, in the tackle slides, and, and also just picking up on what Trev's of uh, what um, Dale said. Um, Crystal Palace away first game of the season. People were moaning about him. I've I've heard it several times. People moaning about him in different away games um, of people who should know better, especially among the away contingency. You would like to think they're a bit more knowledgeable. I've seen, I've seen sliding tackles and I've seen dummies, but I've never seen the sliding dummy. It was exactly what it was. He, he just slid, dummied, knew what he, he knew what he was doing. Dale, you're exactly right because he jumped straight up on his feet. Jumped straight up on his feet and uh, and went to the ball. He knew exactly what he was doing, and it was wonderful to see. And I just think that in the second half against Everton, I think that our young lads and don't forget they're, they're all early twenties, you know, all early twenties up there, and or most of them, excuse me, they just started to have fun. They just they knew they were the better side, right? And the, the Arsenal lads actually played the second half against Everton. Like they were just having fun, knockabout. They, they they just played Everton off the park. It was a pleasure to see. It was it was great. I mean, obviously, I didn't see it live. I watched the recording that Dal sent me. But to be honest, it was a it was it was a wonderful second half performance. It was like it was like putting a Rolls Royce in cruise control and just watching them go. Then kids, it was a wonderful wonderful second half of football. Uh- Capo, we saw it. We saw I, I, what I saw as well. It was the referee looking, and I think the referee was thinking, "Did he foul him? What the hell did he just do?" And I think the referee was confused of what he was going to do. Whether he was going to blow up and give a foul for a Wobi who fell down like a sack of, sh- uh, you know, but, but it was just unreal. I just saw the spray of water. Him go down. Him get back up again and point at the ball and he run towards it. It's just ah, oh, oh, no, way bit of skill. Wait a minute, because I feel for Iwobi there. Don't you feel for Iwobi, boys? Because he was absolutely sold one, wasn't he? He was absolutely sold one. Taxi for Iwobi. You know, it was it was hilarious. Well, it was it wasn't hilarious. We're not we're not seeing the sliding tackle there, folk. We're only seeing the. Yeah, bit you are. You, you are. You get get to see. There, he slid in just before there, mate. Oh right. And listen, if I put any more of it up, they'll end up yeah, 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 yeah. Facebook yeah, yeah. me again. Yeah. Sorry, Dan, I'll cut you off there, mate. I do apologise, but you, I do feel stuff, sorry man. for Iwobi. Because well, I've totally just... forgot what I've got to say now, Trevor, so you've absolutely ruined my comment. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Okay. Just drop the C-bomb and make us all feel better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, uh, Dan, moving on to the, to the last goal in the game, Martinelli. Uh, Eddie came on, he had two or three opportunities, shot one straight at the keeper once, a few moans and groans, but he was putting a bright... Uh, a bright performance in. He was determined. He was playing in a slightly different role. I think you commented on um, uh, it might, it, you and Trev, I think, both commented on it. We talked about it yesterday. Um, uh, Tierney came on and played in more in a Zinchenko-style uh, role rather than a, an out-and-out um, left-back or, or winger. Um, and um, Martin, uh, uh, Eddie Inketier, uh was playing more that sort of role and Pushing Martin, I, I, come on! I'll talk to you. you. You talk away to give that assist. Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest criticisms we've had of Eddie is that he plays in the six-yard box and then doesn't move around outside the box. And he he just seemed to be picking up the ball, willing to run with the ball, willing to run in channel and create spaces. And you know, you see from that assist that he got the the running that he can make off the ball and away from the six-yard box and the sort of the effect it can have on the team. So I think he's still going to get criticised because he you know, for his miss that he had. And I think he does need to be burying chances a bit better. But 
we've seen it with the likes of Jesus when he plays up top that necessarily you don't have to score goals all the time to have a really big effect on that team. And it's more about what you do running off the ball and helping the team. So if he can bring that, then he's um you know he'll step his game up another level. And as assist for Martinelli and Martinelli took the goal well, didn't he? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not often we've seen um, Eddie and Martinelli link up, as we've sort of highlighted before. So that, that's another positive that that they are linking up and that they can hopefully play together because um, we will need to have players that come in and out of the squad over the next few games and, and different combinations. Dale, final word on, on the Everton game. Uh, bear in mind, I'm asking him lots of questions down there because his voice <laughs> is absolutely screwed. Well, he's, up, he's up there to me. Oh, no. But no, I, I just think um, something we, we briefly talked about yesterday as well. When was the last time we had wingers, because they are wingers, right? Regardless of what we're saying, two wingers, one on each side, both getting double digits in a season. And we've still got a long way to go in a season as well. So it's incredible to see. The goals not just coming from there, but they're coming from everywhere. If you think about it, we mm. haven't had a goal, a striker scoring goals this season. Yeah, of course, Jesus hit the ground running to start with, but the goals are coming from everywhere. And I think that performance on Wednesday was a, a massive testament to the team, to be fair. It was. And we talk about Everton being very poor, but if you look at the stats here, their stats were actually better than Leicester's, <laughs> which is really, really unusual. Um, we had five, both had five shots on target. Um, we had 10 off target and they had three. We dominate possession. Um, Trev, how poor did you think Everton were? Are they going down? We've seen what they had a 2-2 draw against Forrest today. Um, I, I, Everton are not a very good side. That's obvious to see, Fergus. But I honestly think that's the way we persevered after the first half an hour of the game against them showed that we are a, a, a really good side. We, we have come on in leaps and bounds because I think I said earlier in the year, our young lads are going to, we're top of the league and our young lads are going to come up against teams like Everton that come and play us with no intention of trying to win a game, right? They know that how good we are. They know how much we can break them down. So they come with a set plan. And I said at the start, earlier in the season, we've got to learn how to persevere our young lads and break those kind of defences down. And I thought that's exactly what we did against Everton. And even in some way, you could say we might have come of age against that kind of defence because we, we persevered and we persevered. And we, when we broke them down, they made the spaces. And I took, I took a little bit from what Dale just said just said just now, uh, with no with no target centre forward, and we haven't got a target centre forward. Our game is all about making spaces, right? Making spaces and moving into those spaces and scoring goals. And we've we've done it really well against Everton. We we did actually we did it really well yesterday with, with, without having a bit of luck. And well, I know we're going to move on to that, so we'll leave that for now. But we 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 made Everton make space. Everton weren't going to give us any space, but we made Everton give us that space. And once we got the space, well, you saw the second half performance. Mm, it was just absolutely. It finished 4 0. As I said, goals from Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard, and Martinelli with a second. The old scoreboard looks great. I like to take the picture of the, uh, the, the scoreboard at the end of the game. And I've got a little bit of a story on that one as well. So, took the uh, Luke, uh, which is one of my neighbours, and uh, the Danish boys back. 
and they had to have a kebab, didn't they? So they end up having a kebab in the in in um, my kitchen and drinking some beer late into the evening, uh, and back up again at half four in the morning to fly back to Denmark. Um, yesterday uh, we met up. I met you down in Kings Cross as you came in uh, from up north, Trev. And we had a couple of beers, and then we moved up towards uh, Blackstock Road where we met Dell and his uh, young boy is Oliver, isn't it? Young boy, Dell. Yeah, just on that note, uh, massive thank you from you guys. Honestly, it's like. It, Bringing a young lad to the football is a bit, it's not, it's not nervy at all, but obviously you've got to keep one eye on him at all times. So a massive thank you to, to, to all you boys, really, for, for making him feel so welcome. Apart from Trev, that is, he cost me nearly 100 quid. But uh, <laughs> other than that... What, you mean, but you now, mean all of this? <laughs> yeah, oh, not not just that, yeah, but you've also got the that, that top, yeah, so the top and then he got the prime and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, cheers, Trev. Appreciate yeah. that, mate. You're welcome, Dal. By the way, Dal, he's a lovely, lovely lad. You should be proud of him, mate. He more than held his own with a banter and he was as polite as they come. So, great lad, mate. Be proud of him. And he, had, and he, hasn't, got, he hasn't got his Xbox for six weeks now because he spoke for too long. I've got, yeah, exactly here, right? I've got to stop it here, boys, because Fergus, right, did the biggest stitch-up against me, right? Yes, <laughs> Please tell me you got that photo. <laughs> that you will ever, ever see, right? We goes into the uh, in Weber Spoons in St Pancras Station and as normal, I go to the bar to buy the first pint, right? But I'm hungry. So Fergus goes right. against the table, comes back, says to me, we're on table 28. So I said, brilliant, Fergus. He went back. He sat with two lads, right? And Fergus says to me, I'm sat with two Leeds fans. They've, they've well, they're northern. I've come to watch the, I've talked to these two Leeds fans. They've come to watch the Chelsea game. So I goes over to the table, cocky old fella, puts the beers down, talking to him. And I said, I'll tell you what, boys. I hope you lot win today because I hate Chelsea. I hate Chelsea with a vengeance. And they both looked me in the eye and said, we are Chelsea fans. It stitched me up. He told me they were Leeds fans, right? How I didn't get my head kicked in, I do not know. Vicious. Vicious first. I think, I, I think they probably felt sorry for you because you were like old and you looked like um, you looked like a gnome. All you needed was a fishing rod, wasn't it, really? That's all you needed was a fishing rod. <laughs> it's called oh, you've all seen the young ones, Fergus. Yeah, right. Okay. So listen, we're, we're, we're going to look at uh, the Bournemouth game now, which is the one that we're all really recovering from from yesterday. Uh, the lineups were um, Tommy Asu came in. There was three changes, actually, which was unusual. One you would have expected. Um, so uh, party in for Jorginho, um, party being back fit again. But you had Tommy Asu in for Ben White and uh, Vieira in for Shaka. It was the first game... Um, yeah. That Shaka hasn't started all this season. And I think it's the first time since 1986 against Villa, since there hasn't been a player that um, has um, in the starting lineup that hasn't been influenced or played under Arsene Wenger. So definitely a momentous day of us moving on to the next generation under Mikel Arteta. Uh, the lineup was uh, Ramsdale and Gold, Tomiyasu Saliba. Uh, Gabriel Zinchenko, Party, Odegaard, Vieira, Saka, Martinelli, and Trossard. Uh, Dan, um, thoughts on the lineup? Nothing wrong with it for me. I mean, we need to be able to use a squad and rotate. Um, we've got some big games coming up. We're going to play midweek again. So he only made three changes. I mean, people going on like he's um, changed sort of seven or eight players in the squad for this game. One of them he's brought in probably our best midfielder in, in Thomas Partey. He's rotated a right-back for someone that before Ben White drifted out to right-back was doing a fantastic job and everyone was sort of, you know, applauding him week in, week out. And then, you know, Vieira, I think, needs to come in and probably settle a bit more. But 
Um, I think Xhaka needs a rest and he'll probably play midweek. Mm. Trev, um, what did you make of the lineup? Uh, you know, we we talked about he's really got a fixed eleven that he likes to start with, and if it's especially over the last probably five or six games, it's been the same fixed eleven. If available, is that eleven that go out on the pitch? And to make three changes, which is more changes than than Mikel Arteta has ever made, uh, seemed a lot. Were you happy with Tommy Yasu, Vieira, and Party coming in? Yeah, I, w- I was surprised, but I wasn't unhappy, Fergus. So it was much just as Dan said. You know, we've got the squad. We've got a few bits. Bit, bit, we've got a bit of squad depth now. So why not use? It, you know, I was surprised though. But then before the game started, and I saw the team without knowing what was coming, I thought to myself, well, if you're going to make a change, if you're going to give Vieira a bit of time, and if you're going to keep Tommy Asu match fit, and you want to give Xhaka a bit of a rest, this is probably the game to do it. Bournemouth ain't a lot, are they? You know, let, let's make the changes. And of course, we all know what happened next. So, yeah, but before the game, I wasn't unhappy at all, mate. Dale, we all spoke again before the game and we said, you know, I was more confident and less nervous going into this game than I was the Everton game. I just had a feeling about Everton and Sean Dyche and everything else. I didn't think that Bournemouth had any anything to offer. And then we go in the first 10 seconds, they're 1-0 up. Yeah, well, literally, I, I had a... Cup of, a cup of Bovril, I think it was, in my hand. And I turned around. If we just finished North London forever, put me Bovril down, turn around with 1-0 down. I said, what has happened there? Surely that's like, something ain't quite right there. But no, it was, yeah. It, I mean, the, the, the lineup. I thought if there was any game to do it, I think I'd, I would be surprised if, if there was anybody in that club who didn't think that was a game to do it. Um, we all spoke, spoke about it beforehand. Um, I was a little bit surprised about Xhaka not being there. But like you say, it was, uh, if there was a game to do that was it. But, yeah, that, that goal going down 10 seconds. But I think the, the strange thing about that, right, though, at 1-0 down, I still felt comfortable we were going to win that game. I, I'd have, if I could have got a signal in the stadium, I'd have put a bet on there to get better odds and gone, you know what, Arsenal to win this all day long. And I still felt comfortable we were going to win that. Not at any point at 1-0 down that I think we weren't going to win it. Mm. There's there's a little bit of controversy, uh, Dan, about this because, OK, I haven't got the video footage, but um, at kickoff. When the Bournemouth players actually kick the ball, there's three of these players that are already across the halfway line and in the opposing sides. So technically speaking, they are offside when the ball and it's a foul. It should be a retake at the start. I'm not looking for an excuse. I'm just saying, you know, they're the rules. Uh, But did it bother you? No, not really. I think it happens every single game. And I think if you're going to start micromanaging games to that extent... And I think it's too far. Um, I don't believe that we don't do it and any other club doesn't do it. So the the main thing with that goal Mike, was... That micro, micromanaging, we, like looking for a player who might have laid a hand on a glove of a keeper. Or just, yeah, drawing some lines, for example. But yeah, um, yeah. we're not going into that. But yeah, I think in terms of that actual goal, no, I think it's more down to our defending. And um, I think we're nitpicking if we're going to start saying that should be disallowed. Okay, uh, so we're one nil down, uh, Trev. Um, Twenty-two minutes in, Trossard goes down. He, he said he felt some something pulling his groin. Is what I've read on the internet, um, and he's added again. We bring on Smith Rowe. Were you pleased to see Smith Rowe come on? I know what happens later, but were you see, pleased to see him go on? Yeah. Firstly, I was I was I was sad to see Trossard go go off because I think he's put a totally different perspective on our game since he's come into the side. But obviously, we're over the moon to see Smith Rowe back on. We the young fellas struggle with injuries. So we need him to get as much game time as possible. So, yeah, nothing wrong with that. There's also 
Nothing wrong and nothing for the lad to be embarrassed about about what happened later on, Fergus. Nothing at all. He's not match fit. He's not played much football at all. He was on the pitch early in the game as a substitute. And I think we've probably got about 50 minutes out of him, which is totally acceptable. Totally acceptable. Yeah, to be honest, if you were going to bring him on, you would probably brought him on with 20 minutes or 30 minutes to go in the second half. Yes. So, so yeah, and, and we'll talk about that substitution because that substitution did really change the game. Uh, so, in the, it, the, the first half petered out and there wasn't really much to be said of the first half. The highlight of halftime was Trevor Bob Beers. You know, it was like, Jesus, you know, it was like Christmas. There was punting, there was everything. It was like I was waiting for Andy... Andy Peters to come in from ITV or something like that. You know, that's what I was waiting for, like a big announcement. But yeah, no, Trevor bought beers at halftime. We had a, a bit of a chat. We got back in for the second half. The second half um, started a bit uh, the the first half. We didn't seem to get back into the game as quickly as we did against Everton. And through a set piece on the 57th minute, Stevens um, comes in from a corner and he loses everybody, uh, uh, Dale. Uh, and he scores he scores a goal to two nil up and we're thinking, Oh Christ, is this a proper banana skin? At that point there, that's when I started going, Okay, maybe we're not gonna <laughs> this ain't gonna be as easy as I thought it was. I think that that though that highlights them playing to their strengths. One of the things what frustrated me a little bit about the game, if I if I had to nitpick, I mean don't get me wrong, I mean incredible result, incredible day. Um but if I had to nitpick, we kept pumping the ball into the box. We had no height up there at all. Um, they played to their strengths. They kept trying to pump it in, like, like with that, for example. And and that's where they were, where they were always going to be a threat, I think. Yes, it was a little bit slack at the back there. Um, I think it was Partey was a man who wasn't following his man. But then, obviously, we know he made up for that later on. But, um, yeah, I mean, when you, when you look at the numbers, I mean, we, we had 17 corners. And I don't think we threatened from one of those corners being pumped into the box, which is, which, which yeah, it surprised me a little bit. But... Yeah, no, it's, it was a it was a bit of a shock to the system. I don't think anybody saw that coming. And when I got my signal back on WhatsApp, the amount of messages I had come through saying uh, uh, about the um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, about, about Bournemouth going two 0 up. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the, the abuse you get. I'm, to be honest, I was thinking about Christ. What if I go back to the pub, my local pub? And then I checked in the scores and Spurs were losing and West Ham were losing. I thought, well, okay, it's not so bad. At least if we can get back to sort of draw or something like that, I can I can top my lip with it. Dan, so we're 2 nil down. Um, and the substitution is made. Uh, what's it, what you guys don't know, there's a private chat on here. And Trevor's got the ump. <laughs> Trevor's got the ump because I called him out for buying a beer. It's a rare thing. Very, very rare. I did call him out. And he said in the chat, when you bring me back in, I, um, I'm going to have a right dig at you. And I said, you're not coming back oh, in. <laughs> oh, oh, listen, I, I, we can't move on until we talk about these buying beers. In fairness to you and Dan, you and Dan drive me to distraction because, and actually you did it yesterday, Dale, as well. You dive in the bar and you dive in the bar and I don't get a look in. So I did manage to buy a couple of rounds yesterday. That's why I shot down early at half time and got some beers in because, all right, you know, you don't want... You don't want anybody thinking that you never buy a beer, do you? You don't want anybody thinking behind your back, oh, God, he never buys a beer. Well, I do buy beers. I just don't get a chance as often as I'd like. But I wouldn't want you to think I never buy beers. I do spend my money, Fergus. And Big shout-out to Fergus, actually. Before I even got to the pub yesterday, he rang me and gone, 
Oh, just thinking about you. What, what do you want? It's incredible. I could get used to this. So. Yeah, it's, it's all right. It's all right. We're, we're, we're organised. We're organised. So we're 2-0 down, uh, Dan. And uh, 62 minutes in, uh, Thomas Partey comes on. And, and that was a change in the momentum. And you can see the focus on Thomas Partey. He goes into the back and it picks up the ball and brings it back to the restart. Completely brushing over something there, Fergus. I'm not going to let you miss it out. First half, 1-0 one one up. Ramsdale's fantastic save, one-on-one. And um, he was criticised quite a few times, I think, for a few sort of dodgy performances in the last few games. But since then, he saved, he made at Villa. I think a couple of saves he made at Everton. And also again yesterday, I think he's in a really good run of form and he's made some fantastic saves to keep us in the in the game. And I think not only him, but players like Gabriel and Saliba have just looked a lot more solid. I think Gabriel has been outstanding as well. So, you know, they they kept us in it at times when... Bournemouth didn't do a lot, but when they did break forward, were dangerous. And I think we we dealt with it well. And when we when they did get through us, Ramsdale was uh, Ramsdale was amazing. And Partey restarting the game. Yeah, I mean Partey, um, he seems to get goals at big times, doesn't he? And um, it wasn't quite the long range um, sort of driver that he had at Spurs, or you know, but he, he gets goals at. At big times, and it, it was key then because I think if we we needed to get a goal early with enough time to come back, but overall, yeah, you know what the the game that we played at Everton and the game we played at Bournemouth, I feel like they were very very similar, but with very different outcomes in terms of the game because we controlled both games. We I think played very very similar in how we controlled the game, how we attacked, but when when a team like Bournemouth get an early goal, it just gives them such a lift. And it gives them something to hold on to. And you can see them fighting like they are. They're fighting for their lives to stay in the Prem. And, um, you know, all credit to us for, for, for clawing it back. One thing I forgot to mention as well was um, Tommy Asu was substituted at, at half-time. Um, a bold move by the, the manager to take him off. Like, you know, the, the player has come back from injury, a, long, a long-term off injury. He's come back, he's had some good games. He's had some not-so-good games. And he wasn't having a great one. Um he wasn't having a bad game, but he wasn't having a great game uh, against Bournemouth, was he? No, he wasn't. He didn't have his best game at all, Fergus. And I can just cover that off by saying, I can have my own thoughts, but I would. What, who am I to question Mikel Arteta with what Mikel Arteta is doing? As far as I'm concerned, if Mikel Arteta decides Tommy Asu is off, then he's off and that does for me. But he, he weren't having the best of games. And... He has been injured, so maybe forty-five minutes was enough. Who knows, you know? But uh, no, I wasn't. I wasn't unhappy with the substitution at all. Um, what What I didn't get an input to was that I did think that for Bournemouth's second goal, I did think I, I hate saying this, but I thought we were at fault. I thought our marking was really poor. The first goal I'll put down to us not being awake, and that won't happen again because we'll learn from that. But the second goal was poor one to give away. We, he was on his own, and we don't we're not normally that bad in defence from set pieces. But now going back to what you said, Fergus, no problem with the substitutions at all. No problem with Tommy Asu going off. Um, absolutely no problem with Smith Rowe coming on and going off. I thought it was a great move. Um, and then I thought that Vieira had a good few minutes, and and uh, Tommy Asu's thought, right, time for Zaka now. And so I've got no problem with any of the substitutions. Yeah, there was other people talking about Vieira um, and said he had a poor game. I watched him in the first half again. I didn't think he had an awful game. Um, and I thought at some points before he was taken off, especially in the second half, 
he improved. He was better. He made some really, really important passes and interceptions. I agree. I mean, block eight, where I was, where I sit, there's um, there was mixed opinion around me. I had some people saying he was poor, some people saying he, he was giving the ball away too much, some people saying he had a good, you know, it was a good um, appearance. For me, when he doesn't play as much football with, that, with those guys as what he would like to, I thought he did all right. Yes, he gave the ball away a couple of times, but people speak about him quite highly internally within the club. You see Arteta, you can see the the, the bond he's built with Gabby uh, Martinelli. Um, he's he's clearly well thought of within the club and. I, I can't fault him. I mean, who doesn't make mistakes in games, right? I mean, well, as we mentioned before, we we fell asleep for their second goal. Partey made an error. Do we do we pick on Partey? No, of course we don't. Um, we we move on, and I think we do the same with Vieira as well. Um, I think the more game time he gets, the more uh, um, the better will become. Uh, and and you need to be playing forty five, fifty minutes here and there for it if you're not in a starting team. I think it's a bit of a scapegoat, Dal. When when we're not winning, they have to they have to pick someone to blame. And I don't think we were playing poorly at all, but, you know, most, not most, I'd say very few. I think there's a lot of fans in there that do get behind the team, but there are a number of fans in the ground at times that just want someone to complain about. Agreed. Uh, agreed, agreed. And um, 2-1 back, we're back in the game at 2-1. Ben White, um, well, first of all, the manager makes a substitution. He takes Smith Rowe off and brings Reese Nelson on. Um, and... There was no, it was quite ruthless, really, of Arteta. It was all about getting the result and, and impacting on the game. You could see, as we said earlier, um, Smith Rowe was probably tiring in the game. It was quite an intense game. We were, we we're putting all the pressure on all the time. Um, did you, do you have an issue with, with that, um, Dan? Did, like, were you pleased that he was taken off? I didn't have it. I don't think, I don't think Smith Rowe had an issue either, do you? I'd, I'd go as far as saying not just that I don't have an issue with it. I think he deserves praise because. He's made some bold decisions as manager. And he, again, is another person that's had so many people complain about the subs that he makes or his tactics. And, you know, what he did worked at the end of the day. I think he he did what was best for the team, not just on an individual basis. It would have been quite easy to say, I'm not hooking at um, Tommy Asu at half-time because it might dent his confidence or the same with Smith-Rowe. But he um, he did what we needed as a team to get, to get us to win. So I think... That you know that that win is uh, not just down to the players on the pitch, but down to Mikel as well. Mm, the second substitution he made at half time was Ben White. Ben White came on and scored his first his first goal for 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 the Arsenal. Um, personally, when I saw it from the angle I was at, I thought the keeper had got a good hand to it. And then the ref's watch went off, and it was proven that um, it, it was goal line technology, and it was well over. Have any you seen any images of 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 it? It was well over the line. The well ball, ball was clearly, yeah, well over. I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to say, when it's one of those moments, yeah, there you go, look. Well, I'll be the first to say when I thought he'd saved as well, I sit directly behind the goal, um, almost level with a crossbar. And I put my head in my hands and turned around and I was like, oh, and the next thing I know, everyone's cheering around me. I'm like, again, there's just another, another massive moment in the game I missed. And I, I generally thought it was a save, but it just goes to show technology can work, right? We're quick to criticise it when it doesn't and and... Um, like VAR, for example, I dread to think how many times we spoke about that. But when it comes to that, that goal line technology, it did exactly what it needed to do. And if anyone deserves a goal in that team for, their, for what they've put in this season, it's probably Ben White. Yeah, he's been hugely improved. I was so impressed with him at Villa away, just watching him play. Well, and, and lots of games with Villa away in particular, and I thought it was really good. Uh, really good on that one. Um, uh, hello to Ben in the chat. Uh, I hope your voice is as bad as mine and Dan's because you were down the bottom end with uh, the Ashburton Army singing and singing away, I suppose. Um, uh, the remaining 20 minutes were quite tense. 
Trev, had you had you come to the, resign yourself to the fact that we're only going to walk away from points, and it was two points dropped, and we start looking like, mm, what does that do to us? Our, our lead oh, that brings us down to a two point gap rather than a five point gap, or a three point gap rather than a five point gap. Were you starting to resign your, yourself to it was going to be two two? No, honestly, honestly, not at all. By the way, Dad, I did exactly the same as you. I thought, brilliant save by the keeper, turned round to curse, looked up, we've got a goal. Um, but no, Fergus, I, if I'm honest, as it came to the very last bit of the game, I was thinking it's going to, I think it's going to be 2-2. But I still had hope in me because we were so creative. We were, we were so on top. We were moving the ball around so well that you, you know another chance is going to come. You know, you just think one more chance. And then, of course, They've shot themselves in the foot because one of their players has gone down in the six minutes of injury time. And that's what everyone's saying today. It was scored in the seventh minute of injury time. Well, of course it was because that player was down for just under a minute. So it had to go into the seventh minute of injury time. Um, and you just, you just when, when it went out, for, I thought the game was going to end just before the corner because the ball was upfield. And I thought, well, that's it now. It's going to blow. But he didn't. He let it go on again and it went out for the corner. And... Uh, then you're thinking, right, this really is it now. This really is it now. And you've got hope, but possibly no expectation because it's one of those afternoons where you're just watching our team knock and knock and knock at the door and we're not having any luck. And, of course, then what happened happens and uh, we're all in a mess, you know. We're all in a massive, mess, massive, massive so, mess so of happiness. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so I'll ask you other uh, two guys as well. Did you have a feeling that that was going to be it? Because we'll, we'll look at the goal, and I've got a couple of different angles and stuff, like, uh, and, and we'll talk about the 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 nuttiness that was in the stadium. Dale, um, did 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 you think it was going to be just uh, nil nil? If there's, two, two, thing I've le- if there's one thing I've learned from this team is expect the unexpected. The, the everything they can give, they will give to that final whistle. It doesn't matter if it's the 94th minute, the the 98th minute, the 100th minute. Normally, um, you can always see a few people leaving early, but I didn't see many. I saw I saw a couple walking up and and standing on the stairs. I get that right, I get it, but never leave. I mean, I remember that that took me back this week to to to, to remember Danny Welbeck against Leicester, yeah. I think it was. Uh, it took me back to that. It was like literally the last touch of the game. And when I saw the name of the podcast, it's all about the 10 seconds. It's like 10 seconds in, 10 seconds out. It was, yeah, oh, it was incredible. I've, I've got to put my hands in the air as well and say, um, my boy's got a little bit of a bruise on his face because I went nuts. And I had his bag of prime, <laughs> that big bag of prime I had on my back, like ready to, to walk out. I jumped up in the air and it flew over my shoulder and clocked him in the head. But I didn't know. And I was, so I said, are you all right, son? He was crying. I was like, oh, I'm emotional too, love. And he was like, no, you hit me in the, hit me in the, uh, <laughs> head the bag. I thought he was crying because we'd scored the winner. But no, but to, to come back to it, no, I'm, I wasn't surprised at all. I was, I was hopeful, like I say, but not surprised. Dan, as you know, because uh, you're next to me, I always try and take a photograph about 90 minutes so we can put it on the Arsenal fan form about um the uh, uh, match discussion, and it was 2-2 at 90 minutes. We saw people walking out of the North Bank uh, and walking up the stairs. And I-, I remember you even saying at the time, and this is before we knew what was going to happen, why are they going? Why are they going? None of the Bournemouth, Bournemouth fans were going. They were all staying. It, it really does wind me up. And I, and I know there's there's individual situations that are never, you know, quite as straightforward as, as, as the sort of majority. But three o'clock kickoff, 2-2 in a crucial game. 
why why are you leaving? Why are you leaving that 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 ground? Now, you know, we've said late games, midweek, etc. People have to get trained, yeah. people have to do various things. And, and I understand that. But there's not a single part of me that would ever consider leaving that game at that minute when we were on the front foot pushing for a winner. Never would I leave it. And I don't believe any other real fan would do it. And it, it did really wind me up to see a lot of people leaving and going up the stairs. And even watching the game back, credit to, to be fair, the clock in the North Bank. I think they, the majority, if not all of them, stayed. And the pictures was very, very full. But you could see in the East Stand the number of empty seats that started to appear the later the game went on. And um, do you know what? Karma for every single one of you that walked out and left left that game early not to see the winner and not to be able to experience it. And um, I'm so glad that those that left it didn't get to see it. Yeah, I'm just trying to get something up because following on Heath's comment, I'm trying to get something up that um, Trevor shared with us. I'll bring it up in a second. Um, so I'm just, I'm just interested, Trev, what, what you think about people leaving early, whether you've got a different view, because obviously you, you do live a lot further away than sort of we do and whether you've got a different view. You're on mute, Trev. I'm mute then, Trev. Oh, I'm glad I was on mute then because I proper swore at myself. Um, I was in the aisle when the goal went in, Dan. Um, late evening games, I often have to leave a few minutes before the end because I've got to get that train out of King's Cross. Um, especially if I've got work the following morning. I, I, I get home off of that at midnight. If I miss that one, I'll get home at uh, about half one, two in the morning and I'll get up at six. So at my age, I can't do that. But no, I, 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 can't, I can't understand it really. I was, I was moving towards the exit and I watched the game from there. I couldn't have left that yesterday. I can't see how anybody could leave that game that exciting. If we're three or four, five, six nil down, then do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. But no, it was it was too exciting. It was it was too mad. It was too crazy. It was just it's making the air on the back of my neck stand on end now. Um, there's this one, Fergus is going to play now, Barrett. But why remember if if you get a chance, someone has put the Brazilian commentary on social media today, I, right? I, I, I'll get it in a second. I think I've got it. I'll get it in a second. Absolutely amazing. Do it, Ferg. Do it. Two Bournemouth to Zinchenko on the left of the penalty area. His shot took a deflection and it whistled past the right-hand post. And this will be the last opportunity of the game because Odegaard has a corner over on the far side. Swings it onto the edge of the six-yard box. Bournemouth cleared away. Reese Nelson with the strike! Oh, my word! What a hit that is! from Reese Nelson on as a substitute for Arsenal and he's just gone and won it this place has gone bizarre Arsenal 3, Bournemouth 2 Mikel Arteta's down the touchline there are fans all around me Bournemouth players are down and Arsenal have won it in the 97th minute that still gives me tingles at that can't talk incredible Incredible. I can't, I can't talk because we we you laughed at Dan last night, but when I watched it back this morning, I watched match of the day in full, and then I watched the Arsenal highlights a couple more times. Just makes me well up, and and it make it. I, I think I've said this before, but it it makes me well up, boys, because I don't think looking at you know three or four seasons ago when we were in a real bad period and you could you couldn't give away tickets for away games you know nobody wanted them only us hardcore and i went to every game every game every game 
And I was watching us thinking, we're so bad at times. We're never gonna, we're never gonna challenge again. Not in my lifetime are we gonna ever recover from the mess that we were in. Honestly, I genuinely say that, boys. I'm, I'm not joking. I know I love a laugh, but I didn't think that I would see this again. And you have no idea how much this old man feels love for this club now. And and Mikel Arteta, right? I heard it. I was watching Sky Sky Sports News this morning, right? And Darren Lewis, the uh, the Mirror, um, the, the the Mirror Sports Editor, I think he is, or Chief Sports Reporter with the Mirror, he's brilliant on Sunday mornings. Darren Lewis, but a young lady that was on with him talking, she was good as well. But she said something along the lines of, "Arsenal stuck with Mikel Arteta when he was struggling, right?" And I took offence to it. I took offence to it massively because. Mikel Arteta has never struggled. He never struggled. He had a plan, and it's taken a long time because you can't polish a turd, right? It takes time to change what we had, and that man has never struggled. That man has done a fantastic job. And I don't – well, I do care, but if even if we lost every single game this season, I'd like to find Mikel Arteta and shake his hand and say, mate, thank you for the wonderful days we've had this year. The wonderful days we've had this year. I never thought we'd see him again. I'm going to stop waffling now because I'm getting emotional about it. I'm just over the moon with it. Let me know if you can hear the audio. This is the um, the Brazilian commentary. This is brilliant. Cobrança de escanteio. Bateu Odegar. Primeira trave. Deu sobra. Nelson dominou. Bateu. Golaço. Golaço. Virada. Virada. Gol! Nelson! God, I love our club. <laughs> As Steve, the photographer, says, it's my fucking club. I love this fucking club. I know we're not going to swear on here, but Alex has set a new standard, so, uh, you know. <laughs> Twice is once too many, son. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Uh, listen, um, Let's have a look at some of the stats and then I'll show you some of the videos and we'll talk about, well, yeah, there's, there's, there's loads, there's loads. So it's, the stats were 79% versus 21% Arsenal. Um, we had nine shots on target versus their four, 22 off target. So, like you know, we had 31 shots on target, 17 corners, as Dale said before. So absolutely, again, dominated the game, but it's just hard to break down these teams at low block. Um, you know, finished 3-2. Finished um, goals from Party White, Nelson, Billing, and uh, Sensei. Oh, I thought it was Stevens actually, so I got reported that one wrong as well. Um, but it was also just the coming together when Nelson did score that goal, uh, on the pitch. I didn't see any of this, I've seen the steals afterwards because I actually don't really remember much of the goal because it was just like a tsunami of people. And I, I was down by the front, I was nearly on the pitch at one point, but. Players were on the pitch. The manager was on the pitch. Everybody was on the pitch. There is, you can see, there is just something happening in N5. Can I just say as well, did you see Ben White stand in front of Neto and just scream right yeah. in his face? <laughs> yeah, because he slapped him in the head. He slapped him yeah, in the head yeah. uh, 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 before he went to save the, um, the, the corner. Well, I think you should concentrate on saving the corner rather than slapping a defender in the head, don't you? Yeah, and I think that was perfect karma because uh, I've never seen a goalkeeper go down injured in the 50th minute with cramp. Um, yeah, he seemed to be down for a lifetime. I don't know if you remember that. He was down for about two yeah. minutes uh, and it, with cramp. 
I've never that, keepers don't get cramped at the best of times, and the time wasting we're seeing at the minute against us shows that people are scared. People are scared to give us that extra minute. If they can steal twenty seconds every now every now and then, they'll do it. It was frustrating, but it was karma mm -hmm. for me. Leave it with me, pal. Here we go. That's what. That's what's this compilation. Wow! Can I can I just say one thing, right? The the way this season's been, and the way that whole stadium sings "North London Forever," people will always say we need our own anthem, and they compare it to "You Never Walk Alone." I've never heard "You Never Walk Alone" sang like we're singing recently, and we don't we don't pump stadium music in there either. That is all pure heart and emotion coming from that whole entire stadium. It's incredible to see. Absolutely. Let me tell you a little something about "You'll Never Walk Alone," pal. When we played there in the semi-final of the League Cup last season, before the game, they, they put the You'll Never Walk Alone on. They pumped the volume on the tannoy up as loud as they could. And the Arsenal fans still sang over it. I've still got a clip on my phone. I've looked at it today. Our fans are amazing. Our fans, there's none better at the moment than the Arsenal fans. Home or away. 
perfect support, perfect support. You know, and Kev, Kev Campbell was on telly today and he said, players lift fans and fans lift players, you know, but it starts with players showing a commitment. And by God, that commitment's been reciprocated by our fans. The fans know, you know. The fans know. When we were watching the likes of, I'm not going to name On then, Trev. Sorry, I really uh, I interrupted you, but I was just I needed to play that little bit. Go on, no, you carry on saying. Off now, you're rude. <laughs> Nearly. <laughs> Go on. Go on. Finish it off. No, not interested. Get lost. Oh, okay, he's got the ump. He's got the ump. <laughs> Dan, it was nuts. Uh, we piled down. We piled down the front. Um, it, it just unreal. The, the, the Neil Diamond song, like. Uh, was just ringing out the Mikel Arteta song. Go on, Dan. I'm lost for words with it. Honestly, there, there's a lot of it. I, I don't remember most of it because it just, yeah, it just seems so. It went so quick from the minute that the ball went in the net to when we left the stadium. Just is a bit of a blur for me, if I'm totally honest. Um, it's just everything as a as a kid you have a dream about to be able to follow your team and see them win the league. You know, and if if that's what happens this year. It's just, uh, it's a dream come true. And um, yeah, you know, for me, obviously, we, you know, we've won league titles before, but for, for me to be in the stadium and be able to witness it sort of week in, week out is, uh, yeah, it's all, it's all you ever want as a kid. But um, I would like to address one rumour um, that, that I cried. I'd like to say that that isn't true. And um, that's a complete fallacy made up by a, a little Irish leprechaun that's uh, not actually true. It is true. You were crying down by the uh, on the side like that. You were like that, and another person who was crying who yep. grabbed hold of me. I didn't know who it was at first. Potsy. So Potsy came running up. I came out of a crowd somewhere, and my my head is down like this, and he just grabbed me, and he's just incessantly screaming and crying, oh, "Mate, mate, mate!" Like this. I didn't know who it was. I'm like a cat's. It, it, his top that he had on, and I thought, oh, and then I heard the voice, put the two and two together, then looked at him, and he messaged me today. He said, I hardly slept last night. He was that excited. Trev, who would I you be down as your man? By the way, but I did, I did kiss, I did kiss an Irishman, which is a. Uh, you did, yeah. Yeah, a big, a big. I've, I've watched several times since. Yeah. Trev, man of the match. Who was your man of the match? Oh, oh God! Listen, it's become that much of an anthem now. You know our song that I, I didn't watch the game, but I saw a bit of the. This, the the uh, lap of honour after the girls, after the women won that cup today and they were playing North London forever as they did the lap of honour. That's how much oh, it's wow, become brilliant. part of an anthem for our club. Man on the match yesterday, oh my Lord, we spoke about it earlier, didn't we? I thought party was blinding again, absolutely blinding. But then we spoke about it and how can you not give it to Nelson? If you there's a, Someone's made a, a little montage on YouTube of, of his input to the game after he came on yesterday. And for a lad that could have well have been spitting his dummy out, he just, what he did was amazing. Perfect. I'm going to give it to Nelson for me. Dale? I don't know. I can't look past Partey, I don't think. I think Partey was quality, but I think special, I was about to say that, Heath, I think 
Mikel Arteta deserves special credit for making substitutions potentially brutally, as we said earlier. But this, the substitutions did change the game. Capo? Yeah, it's, it's so hard to pick one because I also think Erdogan had a very good game again. Um, but I think you can't overlook Nelson, as, as Trevor said. Um, he, he had such a big impact. He come on, he looked, he looked tidy. He looked, he looked like he was up for it. You know, not only the goal, but the assist. He looked direct. He looked like he was causing trouble. And um, if he can keep replicating that, you know, not just over a 15, 20-minute period, but over the course of a game and sort of game in, game out, there's absolutely no reason he couldn't push for a very, big, very, very big place in that squad. And um, a place is very much needed. So let's, uh, let's hope it continues for an, another local lad. He's yeah, out of contract as well in the summer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, to be honest, I thought that the, the guy who would make it first would be Smith uh, Smith Rowe. But as you say, if Nelson pushes on like that, he could easily um, move Smith Rowe down the, the pecking order behind Nelson because that performance was just outstanding. And he's bulked up, him, though, isn't it? It's injuries with him, just like Smith Rowe. It's um, yeah, they've got they've got to fit. Nelson's a couple of years older than Smith Rowe, isn't he? You know, Smith Rowe came from nowhere. Um, Nelson was in the, the, the year before, I think, so he's a year older. But watching him play like he did yesterday, you know, he's playing in a good side, Reese Nelson. Don't forget, when he, him and Maitland-Niles and Willock all broke into the first team, they were playing in a poor team. They had no leaders in their team, no one to guide them and no one to feed off. And so maybe we're now, now we've got this great side with these great players. Maybe we're going to, Reese Nelson's the last one that's left. Maybe we're going to see him come on now and, and be a part of that squad and, and have a big input. Because seeing what I saw yesterday, I'm certainly of the mind that we now have another option. We now have another option in an area where we're quite blessed, you know, an area where we're quite blessed. I, I can't see why we can't consider us having another option now. I'm so happy for the boy. I think he's an option, I'm, Trev, but um, he's got to be more consistent because, you know, he has had a lot of chances as well. Europa League games, for, for example, you know, is he going to play on Thursday? And then if he does, is he going to take it? Um, you know, he, he needs to be able to be there week in, week out, like the other lads have that have come in. Like Trossard, for example, was just hit the ground running and just taking his chance. And, and Nelson needs to do the same. But obviously, you know, we all hope he does. I agree, I agree. Um, me, I'm, I'm going to give it to Nelson simply because of coming on and making that impact. Uh, you know, uh, Ben White could easily be up there for making a similar impact. Um, I agree with what you guys have all said on party. Party did drive drive the game and control the game from the midfield. But to get that 97-minute winner, honestly, I, I, he's always going to deserve to be man of the match. To answer Chan's uh, question in the chat, was Potsy allowing uh, fans to sing what they wanted? Uh, yeah, that was actually on the WhatsApp conversation we are having this morning. He said he's even starting to sing the Mikel Arteta song himself now. Um, but rather than Champions League at the end, he's doing Premier League. But myself, Dan, and quite a few of us already around Block 5, Block 6, already sing uh, onto the, the Premier League. Um, Saka and Martinelli are top scorers. Um, we're the only team with two players to reach double figures in the Premier League this campaign. That's got to be a good sign, Trev, hasn't it? Yeah. We, we, we were speaking about that, was it? Oh, God, two or three seasons ago, Ferg, that we needed our fringe players. Not our fringe players, our, our wide players and our, and our attacking midfielders to have an input to give us a chance. And that's exactly what they're doing. Exactly what they're doing. They're having massive inputs. They're taking games on and uh, scoring goals. And don't forget, um, 
we've got we've got Mart- Martinelli as well. Martinelli and Saka, and then whoever plays around him. Saka just. I didn't think I could ever say it, but it just makes me smile more each week. Even when I thought that he had, I thought that Saka had an average game for Saka yesterday, right? But an average game for Saka is still an absolute blinder, you know? He's that good, the lad. He really is that good. What a great position we're in. One thing to say yesterday as well, if I may, um, we spoke about Arteta and the substitutes. I don't know if you guys are aware, but every single goal we scored was scored or assisted by one of the substitutes. Yeah. Well, I didn't didn't realise that. Didn't realise that. Uh, Listen, uh, Arteta is improving game on game on game. I think the the players are listening and doing what he wanted. Dan mentioned earlier about people criticising some of his substitutions and some of his tactics. I was one of those that I did question sometimes the timing or some of the subs he made. For example, the three subs at Man, uh, way at Man United. Uh, was that re- really necessary And some of the tactics we had last season when we were at Tottenham? But, you know, Christ, the guy has proven nearly everybody completely wrong. Um Dale, thanks very much for uh, joining us. Um, Peter Berguner, um, are you, when are you down next? Are you, you're not at Fulham. So it'll be, what's the next home uh, game? Palace at home. It's Mother's Day though, isn't it? Oh. So yeah, I, I don't think I want to make that. However, I mean, um, I'm trying to, I'm waiting for a, a message back from my boss tonight. Hopefully I'll be joining you boys in Lisbon. Oh, good. Okay. Oh, wow. So you're waiting on that one. So fine. I, I can't make Lisbon, but boys, um, Dan, Trev, you're in Lisbon. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday, right out until about Friday, isn't it? Dan's out there a bit longer than me. Yeah, I go out Wednesday morning, come back Friday evening. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm Tuesday till Saturday. Um, just a quick one before we move on. Apparently, that was the first time we've come back from two goals down since February 2012. I was reading the other day. Tottenham. Oh, wow. Tottenham. Tottenham 5-2 was that That's game. Right. And to be honest, that was one of the last... Uh, well. Somebody mentioned on a, on a, a Facebook thread saying that it was the best game ever at the Emirates yesterday. It was outstanding. But that 5-2 uh, against Spurs was equally as outstanding and noisy and raucous and everything else. The 4-4 against Liverpool. We've had several good games there. It's been unreal. Absolutely unreal. Guys, you have been watching Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Thank you both, for uh, all three of you, for joining us, guys. Uh, and if, Dell, if you end up going out there, have a great time in Lisbon. Sing up for the Arsenal. Uh, drink a beer for me. Um, Trez Bayern. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> Super Buck. Super Buck. Last time I went live in bloody Portugal, I got myself in trouble, lost my room key, didn't I? You did. That was hilarious. I've got it somewhere. We will have to actually put it back up again. But we are, on that note, we are going to do a podcast live from um, from uh, Lisbon. I don't know what state these two are going to be in, uh, but it's seven o'clock on Wednesday. We'll be going live again. Uh, I'll be sitting here. Uh, I think um, Alex will be... Um, uh, Alex will be in Denmark and you two will be pissed. Basically. Well, you'll be in Lisbon, but it won't matter where you are. You'll be pissed. Yeah, absolutely. Dan will be carrying me. I might have three points. I might three? Oh, no, you're not having three. You go steady, Trev. I'm going to be We know what you like on two. Look at you dying <laughs> today after two. <laughs> what, what, what a joyous, what a joyous, joyous podcast this has been. I've been watching... Your faces, you three, right? And we just haven't stopped smiling. We just haven't stopped smiling, have we? From start to finish. 
this is what it's all about. This is why we go to football, isn't it? You know, uh, I was going to mention something about the time wasting, Dale, but now is not the time for that. Now is not the time to 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 divulge or diverge from the from what we've been talking about tonight. Our great club and and how happy they're making us. Uh, yeah. Long mate, go on. Long mate, go on. Twelve more cup finals, boys. Twelve more cup finals. I can't have twelve more games like yesterday because I won't see the twelfth game. I, I, I physically won't get there. But <clears throat> it's right on, isn't it? Every week it gets closer, and they're not letting What's us this? down. It's happening. It's happening. It is happening for Mikel Arteta. I, I love to win. Yeah. And when I see the trophy, I want the trophy. We're seeing something really brilliant from Arsenal. Because even for them to be in the chat, for them to be in the talk, is mesmerising. At the moment, I don't see anybody stopping Arsenal. When was the Emirates last like this, week on week? They are there and they mean to stay there. Bring on the big boys. All very tight for Arsenal. <laughs> you did cry like a baby. Oh, I could cry like a baby. Now. Don't give me <laughs> <Yeah, that's... laughs> Guys, on that note, uh, have a great time. Thanks for watching. And if you are watching our uh, on YouTube, click on the like and the uh, subscribe button. If you listen back on audio, go to YouTube and subscribe and you'll get a, a notification. And you can see much more of the content with the video and stuff that we put up. Thanks very much, everyone. Have a lovely what's left of Sunday evening. You've been listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons and Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too.